Good morning, everybody. This is the KFPK Outdoor Show. I'm Bob Sims. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Well, for the first time, we have a report on last weekend's trout opener. And I say that hesitantly because for a million years, a lot of us remember where the trout opener was a big deal. I mean, you wouldn't miss it for anything. Didn't matter what the conditions were. You were going trout fishing, but uh, all that luster is worn out because, worn off because uh, in most places the streams are open all year, although with different regulations. And even more so this year, a lot of controversy out there. Uh, You know, Department of Fish and Wildlife goes into different areas and holds meetings and ends up passing regulations that. Most people in the meetings uh, felt they were blindsided by, and uh, while they did open up some areas, it kind of lends itself to poaching and uh, without enforcement, in especially the winter months by wardens, which are on short supply. And so you'll hear a little bit of that throughout the program, but the traditional out, uh, trout opener, it doesn't attract the crowds in Northern California, now in the central Sierra on the east side, it's a little different story. Um, Mono County, which used to have all uh, waters with the exception of the East Walker River closed in winter. Now has they've opened up other small streams and nobody seems to know why. It just seems ridiculous. But... Uh, and change regulations not for the benefit of protection on other streams, and and, and away we go. But at least down in the, on the east side, they have more of a traditional opener. But even up north, they had a lot of people come up there because of our uh, mild winter and the lack of runoff. And even though the streams are higher than you know your summer flows, they're still cold, but they're very very fishable. So uh, keeping that in mind, as we do check several areas, and we will be checking them, you know, down on the east side, the whole Bridgeport area from the Bridgeport Reservoir, East Walker, West Walker, uh, Twin Lakes, uh, Virginia Lakes, which are still mostly frozen. And we would check, go down to the June Lake Loops, even Crowley Lake. Then we'll go up north and check out the Dunsmere, the Pitt River, Sacramento River, Hat Creek, the whole works. And uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, also, um, uh, the, the, the striper fishing still continues for the entire length of the river. And we'll get reports from upriver, up by, you know, uh, the the... Grimes to Calusa area. Yeah, they're still catching fish. They're getting limits. All the guys are getting limits. And then a little increase in water kind of brought some fish up. Um, and now they're catching their limits and being able to catch and release a little bit as well. So, And then a couple big fish have been caught, but not like it normally is. And here, we once again, we have to explain... The, the run upriver does not have the numbers this year because there was no flow this year because the reservoirs are so low, they're holding back water. <clears throat> so the fish just didn't go that high. They didn't even get into the system until late. And even now, uh, it's hit or miss down in the delta. We get a school of fish coming in, and everybody does pretty well, both on the San Joaquin and the Sacramento. But... 
then those fish disappear. You got to go out and scrounge around a little bit. You got to, you know, pick one up here, pick one up there, and hope for another school of fish. So, anyway, that's the state of the striper fishing. It uh, it worked out a little bit better than than we thought a month ago because it was pretty uh, pretty bad up to a month ago. Then we started seeing fish. So we'll get a couple reports there. Um, Lake Orville, uh, it, it's going to be a very popular fishery, even though the lake is incredibly low this year. Uh, there's already been a 10-pound salmon caught out of there, and some others not nice five-pounders. So we'll get a report on what that looks like, what the latest is. Anyway, we also get a report up from Lake Almanor, where I was, and um, if I have time, I'll tell you, on the way to Lake Almanor last Monday afternoon, um, it just about, uh, I'd say, 10 or 12 miles from the lake on Highway 89, right at about 3 in the afternoon, a mountain lion ran right in front of my truck. I didn't have to slam the brakes on, but I did have to hit the brakes. He was that close. He was a big guy. He just crossed the creek. He was wet. But what really impressed me was the size of this guy's head. It was scary. And he was in no hurry, like, you're going to have to wait for me, pal, or I'll pull you out of that car and t teach you a few things. I'm, I mean, that's as close as I've ever been. And uh, it was really impressive, I'll tell you. It was uh, this guy was a was a big old guy. Anyway, uh, Lake Almanor had been just had great fishing going. A lot of nice big browns. And I mean, a five pound brown is always a beautiful fish, but it didn't raise any eyebrows. A lot of six and seven and eight pounders were being caught, and then all of a sudden, this insect hatched these midges. Well, we'll tell you about it a little bit later, but. Uh, it seemed like everything in the lake, the bass fishing went to nothing. The trout fishing went to nothing. I mean, the best guides in the lake were catching one fish. Then yesterday, it finally jumped back on uh, with a little bit better fishing. So, But that happens because that lake is just full of insect activity. That's why those fish grow so much. <laughs> anyway... Um, then we'll get a report, uh, both uh, New Malonis and uh, Don Pedro kicking out Kokanee. Don Pedro, on the average, aren't kitchen, kicking out quite as big as New Malonis, but they're still doing it. Um, we'll get a report there. We're also going to get a report um, from Ryan Cook. Ryan Cook is a bass fisherman, and Ryan fishes New Malonis, uh, Don Pedro, and McClure. So we haven't had Ryan on before. He's actually going to be fishing with Kyle Wise this morning for sturgeon. They each took a day off of their regular uh, uh, business-type fishing, and they're going to go have some fun, and so we're going to talk to both of them. Um, Robbie Dunham doing his thing at, McCla at uh, Comanche, and um, uh, other people will struggle there. But when Robbie comes on, listen, because... He does pretty much the same thing. He catches fish there, and he's very, very good at it. The uh, Kokanee Power Derby, the two-day derby up at Shasta for trout and salmon, is on today and tomorrow. They got 130 entrants up there. I mean, P 
people are anxious to get out and resume uh, pretty much what they did before the virus. And um, I talked to Gary Coe yesterday, who will be calling in this morning, about pre been up there pre-fishing for two days. One day was pretty slow. Yesterday was a lot better and had him all amped up. So we'll see what today brings. Um, <laughs> you just never know with that derby, but it is a fun, fun derby. And by the way, uh, I mentioned the whole Crowley Lake, June Lake Sloop. They had a terrific opener just because here again of our mild winter. They got a chance to, to uh, put some fish in. And, and while we talk to those folks, we'll tell you a little bit about the, um, the programs they have going um, with, with their own private plants. You know, they, they, the merchants get one organization and get some money together. The guides uh, try to do that. The resorts, uh, and, they, and they raise fish. They try to do everything they can. And this year... I will tell you, I have never heard of more big fish being caught uh, up in the June Lake loops and even on Crowley Lake than uh, for, for years and years and years. So uh, it's pretty interesting. This is a community because uh, they cannot depend on the Department of Fish and Wildlife uh, like they'd like to. They've just taken their hand, taken things into their own hands. And we're also speaking of that, going to have John Crotty on from Lake Almanor. That same type of thing where the Almanor Fishing Association has just done wonders uh, for that for that lake. And, and that association hasn't always been, well, put it this way, whatever they were, they're a lot better now. And they're really doing a great job. And the fishing in Almanor proves it. Uh, so that being said, we got a lot more to um and we'll cover it all in the next two hours and 45 minutes on the KFPK Outdoor Show. Thank you for being here. While we're waiting for Andy Giuliano, uh, a couple things uh, have come to mind. Down the Delta, a lot of uh, people and guides um, you know, they get out early, uh, just about now in some cases, and they've got these new LED light bars. And these LED light bars are, uh, I mean, they are bright, and they're designed so these guys can see where they're going at night. Well, the problem is there's other boaters, even trollers, out fishing at night, and these LED lights blind them and it's a very dangerous situation. So if you're a guy with one of these LED light bars and you're approaching other boats uh, at night, uh, slow down and turn the light bar off and just, do, just run with your running lights. I mean, it's just really inconsiderate. Uh, these guys, literally, these, you, you can imagine how bright these light bars are. And, uh, I mean, you, don't, you can't see anything for a few minutes. And you might be going slow trolling or just idling up to get to a... You can't see anything. So keep that in mind. I got a feeling if this continues, there's going to be some enforcement issues there. So be polite. Be polite. Okay. Andy Giuliano is with us from Fish Emeryville. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? 
I'm doing just fine. So what was your week like? What happened? I've been out of town. I, I, I haven't heard a thing. It's all well, we up to you, Andy. Week. We had a good showing of Marlin this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we actually we had a decent week. We had some. We didn't have the best tides. We had a big minus tide that kind of bothered us in the morning, particularly for the half-day boats. But I would say the halibut averaged right around a fish a rod, and we're still getting some uh, a good variety of uh, stripers in the mix. And uh, we had pretty good weather, actually. We didn't have... Uh, too much wind as well, so yeah. I, would expect, I, I would expect as we roll out of this, the, we got a couple more days of these big tides, and then it'll start to improve this week. So I would say by the middle middle part of next week, we'll start to see the numbers climb back up again. But, but yeah. uh, overall, real nice and some real nice fish in the mix too. A few white yeah. bass, and, and of course, uh, some real nice California halibut. Yeah. Now, is there um, any stripers in the mix there? There is not like there was before. Uh, I would say you, you you obviously know we said some up to you there, but uh, there's a but the, there's fish down in the South Bay areas of uh, of schooly fish around, and uh, but those are I would say some of those are more resident fish. So I think we'll wait for another month here or so, three weeks before. Uh, yeah. We see some fish start to come down the mix. I do see some of the guys down the lower sections, Antioch Bridge area, that area guys that are spooning that are doing real nice on some on real nice quality fish there too so it seems like the fish are really spread out up and down the system right now well they're 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 from the bay all the way up to princeton yeah and which is above calusa so the <laughs> they're all again they're the mystery fish you know there's no stripers were the stripers now they're everywhere yeah the soup like we've always caught them very nomadic up and down and particularly right now the way the spawning goes in the low water they'll be spread out everywhere here and then the bait continues to get filled up with bait here so yeah once those fish do what they do up where you are um they'll swing back down here and and uh, go on a feeding binge you know i um it's hard of course whenever we have a year that's so different it's hard to predict what next week will bring but uh on one hand these t water temperatures are just going sky high with this weather we've been having, which is going to promote spawning, which you may get a, a slug of fish sooner than you thought. But by the other token, it seems like the fish in the Antioch area are kind of still on their way up. I would I would say that's true. So you probably get fish going up and down the river at the same time. Uh, you get fish moving up to spawn up in that Princeton, uh, um, Calusa area. And then you probably got fish coming back down that uh, already took care of that and yeah. come back to feed here. So. Yeah, and then they'll be spawning in the. I mean, we see them spawning some years uh, right out in front of Rio Vista or down low in the San Joaquin or up by the Alton Bridge. So it, it doesn't matter, you know. Without that water flow, most of them aren't gonna. You know, the numbers upriver are way down, even though they're getting fish. But uh, it's not like it normally is, so it's it's a different year. Yeah, well, we low water year, and uh, and as I said, I think they're just all spread out. There's not a heavy concentration of them in any one spot. I think you just got them up and down the system, maybe down in the lower delta too. I haven't talked to any of the guys that are fishing down in that area too, but you might have some down there. I haven't heard of anything out on the coast. Sometimes we get little shots of fish out at the Pacific area this time of year too, but I have not heard. Uh, of much going down out there, but yeah. the weather was what the weather offshore was okay. That uh, 
during the week here. The last couple of days it was windy, but uh, but you'll start to see some fish show up out there too. Yeah. What's the latest on the salmon? What have you heard? Uh, so a couple of things. So salmon below Pigeon Point, will, for the commercial guys, will start today. They get 12 days of commercial trolling down there, so we'll see what happens with that. And we, I do have a couple you know, second-hand reports. The guys on the rock cod boats are seen one or two every once in a while hang up on the shrimp flies. So the conditions are really good. You know, Bob, I know the last couple of years we've had under production or we the, 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 the department has over forecasted the fish. But it wouldn't surprise me if maybe this year they've under forecasted the fish. The, you got j- just kind of a gut feeling you're getting? Well, the conditions are so good. You know, we had so much, you know, because we didn't have the rain, we had a lot of northwest wind all year. And mm-hmm. the area out in front in the, you know, I would call what the Gulf of the Fairlawns from Bodega Bay down here is really ripe with short belly rockfish, krill, anchovy, dark water, you know, dark, heavy plankton water. And uh, oh. so I think, so whatever is out there, the conditions are excellent for uh, for a good season. So I yeah. think... We're going to start late here, but I think we're going to have a good season. Well, I hope there, uh, there's enough to take advantage of the con- conditions, huh? I think so. I think I, uh, I, something tells me that I think we're going to be all right. We're, the fish look really nice uh, down below, and um, I think we're I think we're going to have a decent season there. So. Yeah, that's good. Um, you mentioned the wind. Did the rockfish boats get out to the islands? We had fish. We did. Uh, we had. Rockfish strips out every day. We did have a couple of days that they fished the coast, and they had really fine fishing on the coast. A lot of nice brown rockfish, black rockfish, canary, vermilion, things like that. So early in the week they fished out at the islands, and then the last day or two they've been along the coast here. And then uh, everybody will be inside the bay here the next couple of days because the offshore weather's a little, yeah, a little, a little sour. But uh, but that's all part of the process. But uh, yeah. Hey, does listen. Uh, just to bring this up because we haven't talked about it, I don't think ever. But you know, re- remember, uh, I forget when it was, Andy, 20, 25 years ago, um, it, when when all the commercial halibut boats uh, could fish um, on the shelf, uh, you know, the draggers and everything else. <clears throat> I mean, the halibut fishing was awful, and then they got the boats off the shelf. And almost the very next year, halibut fishing took off in San Francisco Bay and really has never stopped. Um, and we've had terrific years and so-so years, but it's always been there. But before that happened, got a lot of guys, including me, used to go down there and shark fish for the leopard sharks. Does anybody do that anymore? Uh Sport-wise, yes. Um, charter boats, not too much. We have one boat that I, that's going to try some of that this year. Uh, but there's some really good leopard shark fishing. That guy's had a couple leopard sharks off the bank in front of the bait shop here early in the week on the minus sides in the morning there. But uh, you, it's such a good eating fish. It is a it is a misunderstood fish. But that leopard shark is really good. You just have to take exceptional care of it. Yeah. And and it is water temperature sensitive too so I, you know the water's cool inside the bay right now so as we go into the, the summer months here but there's some really good leopard shark fishing down in the south bay you know if you the farther you go down san mateo bridge dumbarton bridge where the water's more brackish 
down there. You'd have to go down there now. But and then as the summer moves along, we actually have a lot of guys that fish um, Emeryville Bay, which if you guys tried to find it on the chart, you never would. But it's just a little bay between where we are and the Bay Bridge. And late in the summer, July and August, September, that area is full of nice leopard sharks. And oh. um, we've had guys come down from, you know, different times of the year from uh, Nevada and down in the valley come up and they say, I just want to fish sharks and rays. And, you know, and, uh, and as I said, it's, it's a great eating fish if you just take really good care of it. it yeah, it, it really is. It really is. I guess you've got to bleed them right away. Yeah, you got to bleed and pet them out, and they always they still have that ammonia it's air to them. Yeah. And you, once you put some heat on them, it, it uh, dissipates, and then uh, you end up with the beautiful white fillet of of great eating fish. I know when you're cleaning the fish, it's got that musty, odd smell that, that is not really appealing. But like you say, there's zero evidence of that when you cook them up. Yeah, once you I put mean, some heat on them. It evaporates right out, jumps right out. But yeah. Yeah, if you put them in a cooler, then you open the cooler up, it kind of hits you in the face there. But, but it's just a, it's just a more of a off. You know, I don't know if it's the urea that's in them or, or some type of a light ammonia or whatever it is. But, but uh, yeah, as soon as it hits the the, the barbecue or the frying pan, uh, it comes right off. And and I think I've told you some of the better restaurants, some of the higher end fish restaurants, use it a lot for their fish and chips. Yeah. Well, years ago, they used to call it white fish because they were afraid to call it shark. Yeah. And now everybody <laughs> knows, you know, the leopard shark, soup fin, yeah. when we get some soup fin shark in the in the bay, oh my gosh, it's like right, yeah. the fresher yeah. shark offshore, it's awesome. Yeah. Andy, thank you. Have a good week. All righty, Bob. Thank you very much. Okay, book a trip, 510-652-3403. After the break, Stripers. Welcome back. Welcome back. You know, um, uh, the Striper fishing, as we say every week, has been different this year. I mean, it's been more than different. It's been crazy. But uh, a few weeks ago, some nice fish moved into the lower delta, and we were wondering about that. And they they started uh, coming in a little bit, and and the San Joaquin had been out fishing the Sacramento. Then there was a lot of fish on the west bank, just below Rio Vista, and that stuck around. Then both rivers uh, had their fair share of fishing. The only difference is you didn't get the crowds over in the San Joaquin. But uh, then when a fish moves on, that's where the problems start for a lot of fishermen and the guides because uh, they got to go find some more fish. Chris Ditter, one of those guys of Head Rush Sport Fishing, joins us now and talks about what he has to do to find fish. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Bob. Good. So are, are we in a bit of a lull right now, waiting and trying to find more fish? That's what it, it, you know, it's been that recently. Um, we have a few things going on right now, too, though. We have the uh, those negative tides uh, with that uh, big full moon that we, we have going, yeah. and, and that's been making the water muddy, especially over in the in the West Bank. Um, you know, yesterday, I mean, the tide was huge. Um, and so the water conditions haven't been the most favorable. Um, but like you said, yeah, when, when the fish are here, the, the fishing's great, but when they move on, 
Uh, I mean, the best thing to do is, is, is cover lots of ground. And, and what I mean by lots of ground, I, I, I cover different zip codes. <laughs> I'll be over, you know, Antioch and over by Isle 10 and Bethel Island. Yeah. And you, you, you name it. That's what we've, we've been doing to find these fish. Yeah. Um, Hey, when uh, the fishing is good, the average size, of course, with more fish in in a school is going to increase. But um, when that happens, what is the average? I mean, I I don't want to get into averaging out the shakers you catch, but, um, you know, the the nicer fish, what are they averaging? I would say there's a lot of six-pounders being caught this year uh, and even eight-pounders. but those the six pounders, I mean, they are fired up. I mean, actually, all these fish are. They're they're, they're pulling out line and coming to the boat and pulling out line again. Um, I mean, they are just mean. So <laughs> there may not be as many fish, but the ones that you're hooking up with, you know, I mean, they are just amazing right now as far as how fight, hard they're fighting. Well, I mean, that's a healthy fish, then, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean their their bellies are huge. They're, they're you can tell a lot. Lots of these fish are still really fresh, um, and they're they're moving through the delta. You know what I like doing too is on on that uh, lower end of the tide is I'll start running rattle traps uh, as, along the side of uh, tules, and when those fish are are moving into the tules to feed, man, they just really smack that that rattle trap and, and it's a different hit than, than the yozeri i mean what they hit it with the intent to kill and oh it is something that's just so addicting <laughs> um, i mean yeah. you, you, you just can't beat it you're going a little faster too and and, and, and when they hit it, it i mean the aggression uh we had a fish jump out of the water uh the other day he smacked it so hard and the lure went flying uh, really <laughs> but oh yeah i mean it's just oh gosh it's it's, it's <laughs> You know, it's a, the addiction, once you think you, you reach a certain point where it can't get any worse, it's just they, they show you something different. I mean, they are just uh, really aggressive on those rattle traps this year. Yeah. Um, hey. The other thing is, too, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, speaking of, uh, of different lures, uh, you're using a rig, a kind of an, an, uh, an Alabama-type rig called the Atlas Rig. Um, you seem to be pretty high on. What's so special about that, Chris? And that's what I was just about to bring up, Bob, and, and, okay. and that's what I'm truly excited about. So, uh, yeah, Ming, he makes uh, an Atlas rig uh, by his, his tackle builder. He designed it himself, and, and he's gone out and uh, worked it and worked it, and he's got it down to a science. Um, but uh, what I like about the Atlas rig is, like you said, it's an umbrella rig, so you have a school of fish. And, and what you have is you have some minnows down there, and you'll have three that are trailing in the back, and they have hooks on them. Um, so I got them this week, and the first day that I put them out and used them, within a minute, we had a fish on. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Then we continued <laughs> downriver, caught another fish. I'm like, wow, okay, this is, this is really working. But, you know, it, it, to me it's still, well, let, let's see. So we continue going down river. Then we had the third fish on and it was an eight and a half pounder. So, I mean, it's, you catch one fish. Ah, okay. You catch two fish. Well, we might have something, but then you catch three fish in a row in one drift. Holy crap. We have something amazing. Yeah. Well, this in, uh, you sent me some pictures of it last night 
and it looks a little mm-hmm. cumbersome, but it's it's with heavier gauge wire, so from from what you say, it doesn't get all tangled up or anything like that. Right, and that's the other thing. What truly impressed me about this rig is, is and especially after we landed that eight and a half pounder, because that fish fought hard. I mean, it, it it took us over three minutes to land it. Um, none of the wires bent. Everything was still intact. You're able to unplug the jig and literally within seconds get it right back out and you're fishing again. I mean, that to me, is, especially as you're guiding, because I count every second, you know, I have with clients. So that's so important to not have to deal with tangles and, you know, be down for, for three minutes. Uh, I mean, it's just a, a really well thought out rig. Uh, I'm, I'm truly impressed with it. Uh, the other day, uh, I, I put it out. And, uh, again, within a couple of minutes, we had a fish on, and then uh, we had a huge fish on. I mean, it, it was pulling out some serious, serious drag, and it actually bent one of the hooks. I mean, it was a big fish, 15-plus, and uh, we ended up losing it. Uh, weeds moved in, and, and things got a little too bad. And, and we, once the weeds get bad, that's the downfall with that rig. You can't fish it. You know, it just yeah. – uh, but, uh, anyways, yeah, I mean, it's just something really uh, so, so uh, nice to have uh, Chris. Arsenal. Chris, to describe it by the picture, it looks like it's got a almost two parts to it. It's got the the base where the wires stick out, and it looks to me you've got eight or nine attractors on it, and then about a, a foot foot and a half behind that, you've got your three legal baits with with uh, hooks in them. Is that correct? That's exactly it. Basically, there's twelve. So there's twelve little okay. minnows, yeah. nine little minnows, and three with a big. So you get a you get a nice good school of fish, and it works pretty uh, well too. In, in muddy water, you're just you're getting you know with those five inch uh, paddle tail swim baits, you're getting a good thump down there. Um, the color that I I've been doing really well on is the one that's all white and the one that's white with the black back. That that's been just smoking the fish out here. <laughs> Now that looks it looks a little cumbersome, but I guess it's not when you get get it in the water. But what kind of line are you using with this? Uh, I have fifty pound braid. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, it uh, you know it, it seems like a lot, but it, you know it really isn't. Once you get it in the water, everything just starts spinning correctly, and and um, you know I'm sending it back about a hundred, hundred and twenty feet, and and. Uh, 12, 15 feet of water, and man, yeah. that's, that's all you do. And just start, to, you can go with the current or go uh, against the current. When you're going with it, just go a little faster. What does it cost for an Atlas rig? You know, I, I think they're 45 bucks, but um, it, I, I, I can tell you this. It, uh, it is well worth the money. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I've never had something like that where, you know, Within minutes, you're getting that kind of result. Yeah, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, pretty so, good. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, uh, it sounds like also sounds like uh, you know a time like now when you don't have a concentration, a, a great search lure because if something sees it, how are they not going to attack it? You know. Right. You know, the cool thing is, is when we, we were using it the first time, I said, "Hey, look, guys, there's a fish on the bottom." Went over the fish, and then the rod sank over. Um, so sometimes they don't want a Yosuri or, you know, a P-line yeah, uh, yeah. predator. It's nice to have something different. And when you get those big negative tides, I sometimes truly believe that these fish 
they don't want to chase a, a Yozuri, you know, going five miles an hour down. And here you are just barely going with the current, and it's in the strike zone a lot longer. It might get you a few more bikes. Yeah. Chris, thank you for the uh, education on the Atlas, Rick, and for calling in this morning. Good luck today, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bob. Talk to you later. Okay. Chris did her to book a trip with Head Rush Sport Fishing, area code 916-284-9236. Back with Dan Bacher right after this. Welcome back. Welcome back. Let's welcome Mr. Dan Bacher and find out what's on Dan's mind. Good morning. Morning, Bob. Uh, well, I've decided to talk about something positive. I went. There you go. I went, there you go. I went out fishing um, Wednesday afternoon with Cal Kellogg up at uh, Collins Lake, and uh, I wanted to get up there before it, you know, before it got hot, real hot. But it was it ended up being uh, pr- pretty hot that day anyway, like in the 80s up there. Mm-hmm. Um, Unusual for this time of year, but still, well, that's the way it is. Um, we uh, trolled till about six six thirty. I got there. We started fishing about three three thirty, and fishing wasn't red hot, but we got four rainbows to about two and a half three pounds, mm-hmm. and. The the hot thing was the white shad pattern fly, at around 25 feet deep. We were fishing with downriggers in Cal's patio boat and had a good time. Hadn't been fishing together for a while, and it was a good time to get out. Yeah. So, and and the um, he said that the fishing had been slowing down slowly that morning. They got 11 trout. And then, um, you know, he's been getting limits every day, um, usually early limits. I mean, they've been stalking the heck out of that lake. I know they have. They released both the pin-reared fish and stalking the fish from Mount Lassen. Um, But most of the fish were maybe a pound, pound and a half. Nice fish, but not huge. Mm -hmm. Um, Earlier um, this spring... Uh, one of the clients of, of, of Cal, who now operates the uh, fish hunt shoot guide service up there, um, he got a 12-pound fish, and they also got another 11-pound rainbow. But, um, it's, you know, um, what I had, the one thing that I had to do, you can guess before I left. Can, what? Can you? Go get the ice cream cone. You know, how oh, yeah. Ice cream cone there. It's something about it, huh? I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I always look forward when I go up there doing that right at the end. I want, want to make sure I got off the water while, while the store was still open. Yeah. And yeah. ice cream cone. <laughs> that was a priority. Yeah. Hey, did you see many people bass fishing up there? Um, I saw one bass boat. Hmm. Wow. That yeah. should be wide open on bass right now. 
Yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure it is, but uh, it's just that everybody's been concentrating on the trout. Yeah. And, and um, I'm sure it's really good. has yeah. a lot of spotted bass. And, I mean, that yeah. really good, solid spotted bass population. Well, you know, it's, I mean, it's, the, for, for yes. a smaller lake, Collins Lake it amazes me with the fish yeah. that come out of there. It really does. Yeah, I, I know. They, they um, have huge crappie and red ear that they get, gigantic catfish. And the thing is, it's just a real well-managed place. Um, you know, Cal stays in the campground, really likes staying there. And the campground's almost always full because it's um, such a nice place to stay. Just, yeah. It's always good to go real, to a real well-managed, um, well-maintained, where they plant the fish a lot and also do some... Um, well, they've, in the past, they've done some habitat projects where they put in... Um, Tree, trees and yeah. do various habitat restoration there. And they occasionally even make some warm water fish plants like bass and other things. Yes, right? yes. They do that when they think they need when when the um, population needs to be supplemented. Yeah. So yeah. I, I hadn't been there for a while, so it's good to go fishing there. Sure, sure. Well, that's good. Hey, listen, I wanted to ask you about this. Um, yeah. If you remember a few years ago when a few hatcheries up north, Dara Springs, uh, up toward Mount Lassa, and then the Mount Whitney hatchery got infected with whirling disease and another disease, and it really curtailed um, the trout planting in Northern California. I think like yeah. Gold Lake got like one plant, uh, yeah. you know, Capel's Lake one or two, you know, it was just awful. And I had asked the Department of Fish and Wildlife, I said, well, can't you uh, borrow some fish from uh, the southern hatcheries? Well, you know, the truck might not make it. You know, we need the money to fix the truck. And all this BS, I just couldn't stand it. Now, <laughs> last year, with the, the several of the southern California uh, hatcheries going down, guess what? Business as usual for all the southern waters like Crowley Lake and the June Lake Loop and Convict Lake and Lundy Lake and everything. And guess who's where they're getting the fish? From the northern California hatcheries. Hmm. It's weird so now, it it, it, now, when our hatcheries go down, we suffer. When their hatcheries go down, we suffer. It doesn't seem like the department balances things out very well. Again, yeah. Well, that's that's a sad news, but no surprise. No, no surprise at all. So, anyway, I just want to bring it up because we're going to hear, be hearing about fewer plants in, in Northern California waters uh, this year. Now, there's some exceptions to that, you know, up on uh, uh, you know the Hat Creek area. They've got a hatchery up there that just produces fish for that area. They do a great job. But a lot of the fish from the larger hatcheries are going to be sending fish south. So, in fact, I talked to several of those people yesterday, and they said, we expect weekly plants. Well, when was the last time you ever heard places like Gold Lake? And I, I mentioned Gold Lake because it's a destination for a huge geographical area. And Cables yeah. and Silver Lake, which is a, a destination for a big geographical area. When did the last time did you hear those lakes being planted every week? Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's something that needs to be addressed, but 
I guess what they would say is that there's a greater population center down south that go to those lakes in the eastern Sierra. But still, it just it's not right. It's not, not fair yeah, at all. There's got to be more to it than that. I mean, um, yeah. that, it just... I, I mean, here, here's the deal. I mean, um, well, I, I, don't, I don't want to spend too much more time on it, but it, it just, it's just kind of typical of, uh, like, where do they find these people to make these decisions? They, it, it's like, why can't these people do a better job compromising? I definitely yeah. think, I definitely think that they ought to borrow some fish, but don't, don't just rob the hatcheries up here just to satisfy a higher population center. I mean, you're yeah. doing real, we're going to end up looking like our hatcheries up here had to shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, something for uh, future thought. Yeah, but it really, it really, it, it's ridiculous because, um, because, you know, let's face it, um, a lot of people go to these areas because you know they have fish plants there. They do, and, yeah. Yeah, and and like places like like Capels, I mean, they're great lakes, they're wonderful, beautiful waters. Yeah, and it just doesn't make any sense not not to plant them. Yeah, it it's just, uh, just a different mindset there. It's yeah, it's like, a total different mindset. I mean, it, it's very clear that <laughs> that you know the, the word that comes down from the top doesn't really. I mean, they they just don't really appreciate the angling public. That's the bottom line. They really. Yeah, I, don't. I get it. I I think you're right there. I think you're right. But uh, you know, the the good part about that is areas throughout the state, up by Mount Shasta and. Uh, um, Lake Almanor now has a terrific local support to raise and plant their own fish. And and now down at June Lakes and Crowley, they have really gotten behind the community effort to, to uh, plant supplemental fish from private hatcheries that they're paying for because the Department of Fish and Wildlife's whole hatchery program isn't a fraction of what it used to be. So that's the yeah. good news that came out of it. Yeah, that is good. You got locals yeah. doing it. Yeah. And that's okay. more consistent. Yeah, yeah, you can you can plan on that, no questions. And the fish are bigger, so Yeah. Dan, thank you. I'm glad you got out fishing. I'll talk yeah. to you next week. Okay. Bye bye. Dan Dan Bacher from the Fish Sniffer. After the break, we're gonna to talk to Rob Reimers about stripers and salmon in Lake Orville. <laughs> 